Welcome back to another episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast, Clutch Points Pod. I'm your host, Dave Early, here as always with co-host Greg Dennis. Greg, great to have you back. How are you doing this week? Dave, doing well. Excited to be with you. A lot to discuss, as always, with our Brooklyn Nets. All right, let's get right into it. Back in December, we had like 10 players in health and safety protocols. I There was a moment there when I heard... First of all, I'll just tell you, like, I was thinking to myself, Steve Nash sounds a little bit nasal when he was giving his updates. Uh, I was writing my articles, like, latest on Ben Simmons. We'll, get, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, the latest on Kevin Durant. And then, like, as soon as I was done with those updates, it was announced that he was in health and safety protocols. And I was like, well, I guess he did sound like he had a cold. Um, my first thought was, I hope that it's not like it was in December where then you hear five other people because obviously everyone is in proximity to each other. Uh, so far we've made it a day or two without anyone else testing positive to my knowledge. So, so far so good. And uh, you know, Jacques Vaughn has done a great job getting the guys to compete. They almost won a tough one in Toronto. Uh, he's really, really shorthanded as, as Steve Nash was any thoughts on uh on the last couple of games without their head coach. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it was only a matter of time until Steve Nash uh, ended up where so many players on his team did. Although it definitely looked like he dodged the uh, COVID bullet, but um, you know, Jacques Vaughn was a guy who I, I think he's one of the highest paid assistants in the league. He was looked at for a number of head coaching jobs He's had experience. Um, by all accounts, players really like him. Nash lobbied hard to get him on the staff. So, you know, um, it's nice that he's getting an opportunity. And like you said, they've been competing hard and, um, you know, playing playing relatively well. He did say that he's spoken to Steve Nash a couple times and Nash said he was good. He didn't have a specific update on whether or not he's symptomatic. Uh, my guess was that he at least has a cold. Um, but good to hear the latest that he's doing well. He also had a really funny moment. Uh, it was Christian Winfield, I believe, who asked Coach Vaughn how eventually, whenever Ben Simmons is back, they're going to deploy an unorthodox offensive player. And he had a funny, like, above my pay grade moment where he was like, I'm going to field all those questions to Steve Nash whenever he's back. He should be back soon. And if he needs my advice on anything like that, huge smile on his face. Um, definitely a funny moment. Like, Oh, I'm not going to last thing on my mind right now is how we're going to use Ben. I'm just trying to uh, trying to see if I can get LaMarcus Aldridge and company to beat this Raptor squad. Yeah, he's probably seen where those Ben Simmons questions can lead relatively quickly and just decided, you know what, I'm not going down this rabbit hole. I've heard this. I've heard this sequence of questioning before. Let me get out while I'm ahead. So, but but the irony of that is we had a, we had a story from it because of the way he answered it. So it was like he knows it's a can of worms, and he even made the joke that that's not something I'm going to talk about. So you really can't win when you get lobbed one of those questions. <laughs> if anyone were to be sensitive and say like, well, is, is that kind of a poke at Ben Simmons? There's at least a, you know, a question there that he might be difficult to scheme for. He can spin it a lot of different ways, that's for sure. But Jacques Bond's a tough guy to uh, point fingers at. I'm, yeah, I'm not uh, pointing those. <laughs> so the next big news, next big item, Kevin Durant. Sounds like he's going to be back 
Um, he's been out since mid-January against New Orleans. Bruce Brown was making a defensive play, and he fell backwards, and it sort of hyperextended his knee a bit. It's very similar to how he injured his MCL back in 2017 when Golden State Warriors teammate Zaza Pachulia fell. Uh, he missed five weeks back then. He missed six now. I'm not sure if that's because he's a faster healer years ago or with the all-star break or it's a different injury or what, but sounds like he's finally going to be back. Uh, they went five and 16 without him. So holy mackerel, does this team miss KD? Uh, initial thoughts or anything you're looking for in that game Thursday against Miami in his return uh, versus Miami? You know, first thought is that that's a tough game to come back on. I mean, you know, you, you think like as far as easing your way back into it, having uh, PJ Tucker in your jersey for 40 minutes and then Jimmy Butler flanking you, that's probably, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much trial by fire right there. Um, but other than that, you know, just be seeing how he's moving around. I imagine they've been cautious and, uh, are excited to have him back and it's not a moment too soon. The Nets obviously need wins and it'll be interesting to see how he looks against Miami. Yeah. It's, it's not an ideal return spot. Um, Steve Nash had a funny moment. Someone asked him like, would you not bring him back against Milwaukee? Because that's such a tough game. Would you prefer to ease him back against someone like the Hornets or whatever? Uh, and he joked, like, what, what is the implication? We don't play hard every night. Um, but but it's a, a – Wink, 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 yeah. wink. <laughs> exactly. But it's especially <laughs> tough to, like you said, come back. I mean, Bam out of bio one play and Lowry doubling the next and drawing charges against you and Butler roaming and spying because he doesn't have to stick like glue on Bruce Brown. It's going to be tough. Uh, they're definitely going to get to deploy some of their junk schemes where, you know, th they can help off non-shooters. So, and also they don't have their head coach to necessarily manage the minutes. I'm not sure if they're going to set restrictions or they're just going to give him full go, but you have to think they're going to be extremely cautious. This is the franchise player. This is not uh, a stretch where they're expecting to to rattle off like eight wins in a row here. They don't have Ben Simmons. They don't have Kyrie Irving. Um, it's going to be tough sledding. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, they're trying to jockey for position here down the stretch. You know, you look at the standings, it seems like they should be safe as far as the play-in goes. I'm sure they'd like to avoid it. But that's going to be tough also. At this point, that 7 to 10 range seems like the safest bet. So, yeah, 19 games left, one game over 500. Currently the eighth seed, which 538 projects them to finish as, although they probably that algorithm probably doesn't know that they might get some stars back. Um, three and a half games out of six and three games behind Toronto for the seventh. So if it ended today, they would be in Toronto at like clearly a hostile Scotiabank arena where who were already like excited to boo Goran Dragic every play. Can't even imagine what it would be like if they had to play there where, oh, by the way, Kyrie is not eligible no matter what happens in New York City. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Canada will be changing their uh, vaccine policies anytime soon. 
And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough regardless, but you know, it's got to be tougher. Like, you know, you said Brooklyn Slater for the eighth seed. Imagine you're the one seed, whether it's Miami or Chicago or Philadelphia. And what do you get for, for your efforts? You have to play Brooklyn possibly with a healthy team as an eighth seed. That would be, I mean, that would be just as tough, if not tougher. Yeah, some team that looks at looks at their road to the finals and they're like Brooklyn round one, maybe Milwaukee round two, <laughs> Miami round three, uh, or the Sixers somewhere in there. It would just be brutal. Uh, I think you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, like some really good teams are not even going to make the second round. And when we're looking at the, the Nets here, it's like an amazing contender might not even make the uh, first round. So. I think you're. I think you're right. I think they're safe from not making the play-in, um, but there are definitely some scenarios within that plan that are awful because we saw it coming a long way away. A single elimination match um, without Kyrie Irving would be terrible. So anything could happen. You know, if it were a team like Toronto, that's not ideal. If it were a team like Atlanta, that's obviously not ideal. Some really tough scenarios here. How how dire is it feeling to you right now? Like this is such a crazy pendulum team, isn't it? Where you wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the first round as of today. Who knows what's going on with Ben Simmons? Who knows if nothing happens, nothing changes with Kyrie and the mandates? But then you wouldn't be surprised if they made the conference finals either. You know, I actually think that because of everything that's gone on this year and what you just touched on, the variance of what's possible at some point I almost feel like this year will be looked up, looked at more as kind of like playing with house money where the team, you know, and they'll, they'll never say this, but at some point, you know, you start to sort of look at like, this is a really talented team, but realistically, are we going to be able to pull it all together and land this plane? as former Sixers coach Brett Brown used to say. And, you know, the more time goes on, the more reports come out, the vaccine stuff, the injuries, Ben Simmons now shelved for who knows how long. At some point, you know, they might start to say like, hey, we're going to give it a shot, but, you know, our expectations have changed. And really this team is now being put together with more of an eye towards the future. So I mean, it's think, hard not to see it that way. You think some resignation at the front office level, at least, may have crept in here? I think they're holding out hope they can pull it all together. But, you know, uh, it's, it's just so hard to know. I mean, every time you think things are starting to settle down, something happens. And, you know, Ben Simmons, whenever he comes back, it's going to be getting close to a year that he hasn't played. And now there's questions about his back. Um, mentally, we don't really know where he's at. I mean, I'm assuming he'll be he'll be good, but I guess I'm just saying, you know, at some point, um, does the shift in expectations begin to change? Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's dive in a little bit to this Ben Simmons situation. Maybe that'll help us unpack whatever they they might be thinking. Because if you expected him back in a week or two weeks, I would say, no, there's no way they're resigned to next season. But if you thought 
like some of the most recent reports that he might not be back in time for the playoffs, then it would be a lot easier to say, well, who knows, maybe Kevin Durant as the only full-time healthy all-star caliber player we have uh, on on a full-time basis, he's not going to carry us to the championship. This is about next season. Um, Let me read to you a little bit about where we're at with Ben. So here's what Sham Sharania said not long ago, a couple days ago. No, no, he's, you know, he was asked by Pat McAfee on the McAfee show. People think he's just ducking Philly. Is he just ducking Philly? No, no, he's dealing with a flare up in his back. The Nets are saying that it's something to be expected and something that we're just going to treat day to day. But there was an expectation that by now he was going to be really on the cusp of his comeback. And that's probably not going to be the case because he had a flare up with his back. Uh, I'm told during his ramp up process. So now he's going to need to strengthen the back. He talked a lot about Draymond Green and how he's been out for a, a several months and backs are tricky and you could never project this. Next up was Brian Windhorse, who just today was sort of saying this is more of a, I wouldn't buy non-refundable tickets or hotel rooms. He's joking about Ben not playing in that game. Rich Paul and they just told me over the weekend that Ben is now considered week to week. He's had some back soreness. That's what Steve Nash referred to it as six or seven days ago. The Nets had a plan in place that would have had both Durant and Ben Simmons back active by that game on March 10th. But now that's been scratched. Durant should be back this week, but Ben Simmons is week to week. Um, so first of all, do you buy that? Cause I know Sixers fans are saying, no, this is all designed to have him avoid that March 10th game against Philly. But do you think he recently had a setback? You know, he, they reports are that he was in keeping in great shape. He's obviously looks like a specimen. You could see him on some of the next videos, practice videos already without a shirt. Great shape, but is ramping up towards game action something that might have triggered what's been a you know an issue for him in the past? I think it was 2020. It, it was shaping up to have cost him the rest of that regular season until things were postponed because of the pandemic and the bubble. He had a chance to play quickly hurt that kneecap um, subluxation or whatever it's called. So do you think that he, that he hurt that back? Do you think there's something mysterious going on? Where are you at and interpreting the Ben Simmons stuff? I I don't think that they needed to use a back injury as a way to avoid March 10th. I mean, March 10th is next week. It would be very easy to just say, yeah, he's still ramping up. His conditioning Mm -hmm. is, progressing and when he's back he's back so i i don't i don't think that that's what happened here i think it's totally plausible to think that you know in his uh ramp up period or whatever it is he tweaked his back and they're being extra cautious um but i also think you know at some point you know obviously you want to have everything in place to ease Ben Simmons back into playing basketball and to ensure that he's successful when he does. Last we saw him, he, you know, came off what was the lowest point of his career. And it basically led to the cascading effects where we haven't seen him since. So I think it's important that whenever he does come back, you know, the, pressure both physically and mentally are relatively low and that he's set up to play well and at some point that's going to be difficult to do because you know like we said hypothetically if the nets are a seventh or eighth seed 
and now you're bringing him back and his first games are, are playoff games or close to that, it becomes a little bit more tenuous. So I'll be curious to see what the Nets approach is here. Are they just going to handle him like any other player where it's basically like you've been cleared medically, so you're good to go? Or are there other factors at play where, you know, they're trying to ensure uh, a safe landing? I don't know. If you had to guess today, what would you think? Like, when will we see this guy? That's really hard to say. You know, I think that it's very possible that uh, the reports we're hearing are just kind of ways to temper expectations. And, you know, rather than us now sort of saying, like, is is this game going to be his next game? Is he playing tomorrow? Is he playing the next day? Now we can kind of, you know, look away for a little bit. And um, maybe he's back in two or three weeks. Uh, if not, you know, then at some point you start to worry, right? I mean, a back is never good. Yeah, if I were, if I were just a routine fan, I would say, man, I, I wish – that what Sixers fans are saying is true. I, I hope that the way I can interpret this is, you know, Shams Charania has some business associations with Rich Paul, who's Ben's agent. Rich Paul, we know, uh, represents LeBron James, who Brian Windhorst got his start with. I'd be thinking, well, this stuff is obviously coming from Ben's camp. Ben's camp wants to temper expectations. The ultimate scenario here for me as a Nets fan would be something like, he doesn't want to come back right away and he doesn't want to come back the game after Philly and have everyone call him a wimp for ducking that game. This is the perfect way to bring them back three or four games after that Philly game and just really take their time. And it's not a serious back issue because if it is, um, then it gets into, well, did the team not do their due diligence? You know, did, is there something on, on, that an MRI could have revealed in the back and all these other nightmare scenarios for Nets fans where a player who's like Shams was outlining the other day, a tricky back that could be months, maybe, you know, I don't think he said that specifically, but bringing up Draymond Green and talking about that definitely outlines some of those nightmare hellscape scenarios where you got a player who you can't rely on to be healthy um, this season at all. Absolutely. And, you know, I know as someone who's had back issues, I know you've had back issues, either it's muscular or it's not. And if it's not, then that means it's disc related. It's, you know, other things that don't mix well with playing basketball. So let's hope that it's, uh, you know, something to do with strength, just pure, purely needs strengthening and reconditioning and that, uh, you know, he can be back in, in a matter of weeks. Yeah, well, at one point not long ago, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, who you always want to, you know, tend to give the benefit of the doubt to, said he was on the heels of Kevin Durant. Steve Nash just likened it to like muscle soreness that would come from really ramping up a workout. So that type of reporting and the way the Nets were phrasing it is so much different from what we're hearing now from Shams, from Windhorse. Um but it's been these guys who have had the close read on Ben Simmons, right? Because it's coming from Rich Paul, we would presume. Um, so that makes me think he's not coming back in the next, you know, five games. I don't know when it's going to be, but 
I just hope that he's healthy because I'd love to see him out there. Um, I don't care so much about the Philly game. That would be great for popcorn reasons, but uh, I would love to see him get back out there on the court and see, see how he looks. I know Nets fans are desperate for someone who can provide the skill set. I mean, he fills a lot of holes on this roster. So, yeah, I mean, you traded James Harden for him. So, <laughs> you, you know, you, you'd hope he'd be able to, to play and, I don't know. I mean, did we hear that? The, did they do a physical at the time of the trade? I, I know yeah, I they, heard they, they did um, all their. They mentioned an MRI at one point. Um, I think people got nervous, but it, it's pretty routine. I do know that Ben had received some treatment from Sixer staff back in October on the back for tightness. Um, I, I happen to know, you know, that he missed games here and there over the last couple of years with some back tightness, but it didn't seem like it was ever a major problem where it cost him significant amount of time for over two years now, going back to when he first might've done it in March of 2020, I believe maybe even February. So um, I think it all goes back to that all-star game or the practice right after that all-star game a couple of years ago. And they've been, they called it impingement. Who knows? Hope the kids are right. Um, but it is interesting because Brian Windhorst mentioned like straight up, there's been so much obfuscation and protection and difficulty with this situation. It's very hard to get your arms around it, but I think you can scratch March 10th. He's going to have to rehab that back, but there is hope and optimism. He'll get back on the fort before the playoffs is what Sham said. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough time for Nets fans because you're hearing these reports about Ben Simmons back. And then, uh, you know, you look at what's going on with James Harden and it's just euphoria in Philadelphia through the first two games, James Harden, triple doubles, fitting in well with him, be uh, making his home debut tonight. So, I mean, you know, you if, you were, if you were a Nets fan saying, Oh, he completely dogged it with that fake hamstring. And now look, he, he's totally fine. Do you think there's any fairness to that sentiment? Uh, I think there's a lot of fairness to that. I mean, if you can, if you go back and you look at uh, the, the famous game in Sacramento, James Harden, the four-point game, his final game in a Nets uniform, go back and look at that game and then look at what he uh, has done since he got to Philadelphia, and um, it's a different guy. Now, granted, he had a couple of weeks off in between. Yeah, so that I was going to say. Um, you no, know, he had the All-Star break, and then he took another week, four games prior to All-Star I, break. I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that, um, you know, he uh, had a miraculous recovery. <laughs> I think the sentiment, <laughs> even when you hear people say he actually had an MRI, which revealed tightness, um, the same reporters like Ramona Shelburne and Adrian Wojnarowski, I think, have – question the severity of it at the same time so i think it's plenty of well here's the thing i mean you know the 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 severity of the injury is one thing it's like we saw james harden in last year's playoffs against the bucks playing on literally one leg could not accelerate at all but was still getting and engaged and like clearly you know willing to do whatever it took to win so, you know, the, the actual injury is one thing, and then there's kind of like the mental side of it, which is more what I'm speaking to in the, uh, the end of his tenure with the Nets. Well, it was a different hamstring, but I, I get the point, and I agree with the, the spirit of your, your point there. Uh, it's just funny that we're talking so much about 
injuries and the extent of injuries. And like, when you hear these injury updates, the first thing you think of, is that true? Or is this like sort of true, but also 10 other things. Um, and that just seems like the world we're living in right now <laughs> as Nets fans. Yeah. It goes both way with, with Harden and Simmons where you're trying to parse like, okay, there's the injury. And then there's like these other like three storylines converging with the injury. How do I make sense of it and figure out like what the hell is going on here? So, um, just a very basic sidebar that I wanted to mention. Sounds like New York city is not going to make an exception for Kyrie Irving March 7th. They are just kidding, by the way, on the sidebar, this is big news. Um, March 7th, they are visiting things like vaccine passports for indoor venues, but it sounds like that's not going to apply to Barclays center. And they're not going to change the, the words or the phrasing per Eric Adams as much as he'd love Kyrie out there. He basically said, like, vaccine mandates are why the numbers are as good as they are today. I'm not going to make an exception. So I don't know if that's definitive. Even after hearing that, I think Shams and Woj have both used phrasing like it's inevitable that he's going to be back at some point. So I'm not really sure how to resolve that, but it certainly didn't sound like the mayor's going to have him back out there anytime soon. It's really hard to know what to make of that because my understanding is once the mandate is lifted it then becomes an issue of private employer whether or not they want to enforce it um, th- that's one thing i heard um there's this like key in nyc that applies to you know venues like barclay so even the change that they're going to visit on march 7th and change won't apply to barclays but i, I don't know the the higher level workings of that i just know what shams and woge and others have reported and i know what the mayor said a couple days ago. Yeah, I, that's what I've heard as well, is that there's not only optimism, but an expectation that at some point soon he'll be able to play in the Barclays. But obviously not as soon as, as we'd hope or would like, because it's not going to be March 7th. Yeah, so does that mean like June? Does that mean July? Right. When they're thinking of whether or not to offer him, you know, $300 million or whatever it is. Or, um, or is it in the middle of a playoff series where, you know, you don't have him like the first two games in Brooklyn, yeah. but then all of a sudden he's coming in for game six at home. I don't know. It's it's pretty wild. Can you imagine being a, a fan of a rival team and then hearing like the mayor has made a key change and now Kyrie's playing the next one. You'd be like, oh, why did he, did he <laughs> Yeah, there's some wild scenarios out there. A um, couple basketball points. I will ask you, Patty Mills is in a slump. Like, it clearly seems like he's the minutes have caught up to him. Like, even coming out of that all-star break, the slump might have carried over. Is there randomness? Is he really fatigued? What are you thinking about Patty here? Yeah, I think, I think that's – you touched on it. I think he's probably tired. He's been leaned on probably a lot more heavily than was expected by both him and the team when he signed with the Nets. But due to all the injuries and Kyrie being in and out, he's just been overextended. His role has been extended. His minutes have been extended. And he's just been asked to do a lot. So it makes sense. But, you know, they they have some uh, reinforcements now, especially if Kyrie comes back, but with 
Seth Curry and Dragic. Hopefully they can reduce his load and, and get him some rest and get him ramped up again. Um, I thought it was interesting that Nick Claxton played against Toronto recently and played well. And I wondered, is was he playing because he's healthier than he was a few days ago? Or is he playing because Jacques Vaughn wanted to use him when Steve Nash might have been preferring to go in another direction? Was it just because Andre Drummond was out? Um, but whatever the case was, he played really well. You know, three blocks. Seth Curry mentioned tons of energy. He looks good out there usually when they put him out there. And then he has an injury setback. And then he has trouble cracking the rotation again. We've seen it before. Who knows how that's going to impact his pending restricted free agency. But what have you thought about uh, Vaughn playing Clax in the last couple, the last game? Yeah, I mean, it probably speaks to Nash giving him some autonomy and maybe letting him you know, do, a, do a lineup rotation that, you know, otherwise we wouldn't see. Um, but like you said, I mean, Claxton's a good player. He seems to always give the team something that they're lacking when they put him in there. So not surprised to see him contributing. And final point, Cam Thomas had some nasty moves. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the game yet, but I mean, just putting some of these like triple vector, I'm going left. No, I'm standing up. I'm hitting a hezzy going right crossover. Um, do you think that Cam Thomas has carved out a playoff rotation? And do you have any, uh, any feelings on him moving forward as a player? Like what a ceiling could be? Yeah. I mean, he's really confident. He's definitely good offensively. Um, it's hard to know if we'll see him much in the playoffs. I feel like if we do, it may not be by choice, but if he keeps <laughs> someone's hurt, if he, if someone's hurt. Yeah. But uh, you know, he's, he's, um, demanding attention and, and, you know, making sure that we know he's out there. Who, who does he remind you of as a player? I'm curious, like as a player comp what would be kind of like a, a closer resemblance to his game? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> he, he's got some really – I'll describe what I've seen, and then you tell me the, who the comp is. Like, he's hit some really nice step backs, like powerful base on his lower body. He gets a lot of separation for that, for that shot. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like his offhand is involved a tiny bit, like his left hand ends up facing the rim. So it reminds me of a couple of players we've seen shoot like that. And he's got the floater. He's got great touch. He already has a game winner on the floater. Um, the handle is coming along. Like I've been impressed the last couple of games, but I'm not sure that I would say he's got like this great handle yet. Uh, he's, you know, he even talked that there's this narrative, this trash narrative that he's not the best passer, but in terms of, Getting the getting the distance between him and his defender and finding a way to get a bucket, it's it's already there. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he probably needs to work on his defense a bit, maybe his passing. But when you watch him, you know, he's clearly clearly has an offensive package already that he can go to, and um, he's not shy about putting it up. So <laughs> he's when you hear him talk, he's just so confident. Like he talks, he yeah. talks like he's on par with Durant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as, as you've touched on, you know, Durant, Durant really likes him. So, 
Uh, you know, he's, he's a little undersized. He's probably, as far as an off guard, he's probably about, I don't know, would you say 6'3", six, 6'4", six, maybe? Yeah, um, if you're looking at him as a straight-up two guard, he's probably undersized uh, if you wanted him to be. But, I mean, like Patty Mills would tell you, hey, look, I'm even smaller. I've made a career out of this. You just got to find a way to right. help the team. Could, could there be a, a little, like, you know, this would be – dream scenario but like some shades of brad beal maybe can you see can you see some of that like just as far as the dynamic scoring approach i i mean i don't want to insult him by by scoffing <laughs> at that but like the draft capital difference there has me hesitant to make that comp yeah i mean i'm not saying he's gonna be you know he's gonna be bradley beal but just as far as like you know what what he reminds you of or could be, you know, the same, same sort of, um, avatar, same sort of, you know, mid, you know, different parts of his game, getting to the basket, outside shot, handle. Hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to get back to you on a comp. Put me on the spot. Um, I can't think of anyone, but very, very impressed. Uh, I do think the point you made is very fair. Like, obviously, if there's an injury, obviously Kyrie's not full-time. We'll probably see him. Question, better question will be if Patty Mills, Seth Curry, and then the Stars are all healthy and out there, is he still going to crack that rotation? And who knows? Uh, probably not, I guess, now that Dragic is here, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. He's been he's – been, he's shown a lot this year, so – I guess it would be surprising if they didn't give him any opportunity in the playoffs, uh, assuming they played a full seven, you know, a full four, six, seven game series. Yeah, he'll get some. I mean, it'll depend on the matchup too. Yeah. And we'll see how much Nash trusts him. All right. We got a good mix of basketball, not basketball speculation, a little bit of New York City stuff, um, a very, very 2000. 21 to 2022 Nets pod here. That's right. Will you, so will you be, uh, as a Nets fan, will you be watching James Harden's debut in Philly tonight? And what will your feelings be? Uh, will you have mixed emotions or will you just be more looking at it from a basketball point of view? Um, I, I like James Harden. I've liked him going back to Oklahoma. So I'm still rooting for him as a player. Um, Despite how everything shook out in Brooklyn, I still like him. I still find him likable. Um, I don't know. I mean, you read those reports that there was like this cold war between him and Kevin Durant. And I think you could look at it in some scenarios as that worked out really well for the Nets. So I don't have these terrible feelings of ill will towards him. If he truly was going to exercise unrestricted free agency, then the Nets made out like bandits for their return they got. And I would definitely have had mixed you know, feelings about like maxing him $275 million. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he's taken a lot of uh, bad press for his exit from Brooklyn. But as you said, the other side of it is he uh, allowed the Nets to maximize his departure. So, you know. Yeah, if you if you believe that he would have left in free agency, which a lot of people do, then the Nets received a courtesy of some sorts that he was so suddenly disgruntled and not not shocked by that by by June or July. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Greg, as always, thank you. And uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully uh, there's a few more stars out there by then. Talk to you soon, Dave. Take care.